0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its
1: staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry, Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz.
2: Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Tech Cat Show. And today we are going to dig deep into what's going on in that complex but exciting world of TV advertising. And we're going to talk to a very smart person who is calling us from across the world to get into that that sort of merger between broadcast reach and broadband technologies. So I'd love to introduce today's TechCat show guest, Peter Onk, who is with TV AdSync. He's the co-founder of this fabulous startup. Let's have a big TechCat welcome for Peter. Yay, the TV Sync man. Welcome, Peter.
3: Thanks, Roy. It's nice to be on.
2: So Peter and I met recently at an event called Sprocket, where startups are brought together and put in front of large corporations who can potentially do some work with them. Um, and Peter was presenting um, information about TV AdSync, and it's a big honor actually to get chosen for these types of events because there are so many different companies out there, startups, playing in the TV ad space. So, Peter, tell us all about you and your career and how you came to to found a TV AdSync.
3: Yeah, uh, it's a kind of an interesting story, probably a long story. So I don't know. How much you could time do you have.
2: the the short radio version. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, I'll do my I'll do my best. Um, my friend and business partner, Ronan Higgins, and I um, did a startup a couple of years ago in uh, location-based services, and um, we uh, basically built uh, built up a small business, uh, which after a couple of years we realized wasn't going to scale, and we started winding it down. Um, but stayed in touch and, and, and worked on a different uh, a different idea, which was to create mobile apps for TV shows that would help um, uh, the, the, the content of the TV show be extended on the mobile app and for the audience to be engaged on both uh, so that uh, the advertiser could reach um, from the first screen to the second screen. And this is back in like 2009 or so, uh, which seems like a lifetime ago. And we kind gonna of build some prototypes for broadcasters here in in Ireland, and um, they liked it. It worked well. Uh, We got huge engagement on uh, on the prototypes, um, but realized actually that it's going to be hard to scale. So we kind of left it. Uh, I changed my career, went into product management, uh, worked at some large uh, mobile software companies. Um, But Ron and I, because we were friends, stayed in touch, and uh, around kind of mid-2013, early 2013 maybe, he had an epiphany and said, I think I know how we can do this at scale. So um, we uh, got together went back together again. And um, we licensed some tech out of the Fraunhofer uh, Institute in, uh, in Germany, which is the home of the MP3 amongst others. And we basically use that tech to um, put TV signals into servers, uh, monitor broadcast, and pick up when TV ads appear. And we use that data, so real-time ad airing information, to uh, to activate campaigns in real-time um, on our DSP that we had uh, licensed from a different uh, tech company in Canada. And can you just,
2: and basically um, came up... just explain what, what a DSP is just for folks that aren't as deep into this?
3: Oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, a DSP, a demand-side platform, allows uh, one to access... Uh, online inventory in real time so allows us to buy up impressions um from A- ads users, basically s- slots
2: exactly, for static exactly. ads right
3: okay great A- exactly exactly sorry about that yeah <laughs> um uh, so we kind of combined two things in that early prototype, uh, monitoring of broadcast, picking up when TV ads appear, and then activating campaigns for brands that are associated with that TV campaign. So we went to uh, Omnicom uh, in its local uh, um, agencies, PhD and OMD here in Ireland, and said, hey, we have an interesting uh, prototype. Would you like to test it with us? So they said, yeah, let's, let's give it a go. So we ran 25... Or so campaigns where we, for, for brands like uh, like Pepsi, Specsavers, Savers, uh, Turkish Airline, Coors, a bunch of big brands, uh, where we synced in time the uh, airing of the live uh, broadcast of the TV spot with uh, uh, an online campaign to aim at smartphones and tablets for people who are fiddling on their phone while they're watching a show, and then when the show cuts to ads, they sometimes divide with their intention, as, as, uh, as you may well do, um, and at least know about. So we, uh, we kind of had the, the bones of a product because we realized that the uplift on the digital campaign Sometimes uh, went as high as three times as effective as the uh, as the normal uh, standard rate of the rate of engagement on those uh, on those ads. So we we effectively had birthed a new uh, a new ad product, and um, so that's where we uh, we started from.
2: And Peter, just to kind of break it down a little bit. So basically, I'm watching TV and I have my phone or my tablet in front in front of me, and there's a, a technology that, that triggers a response on my tablet or phone that brings up an ad while I'm watching
3: the show? Yeah, well, not watching the show in particular, but so we we chose to focus on the the ads because the ads are more consistent over time than the content might be. So uh, if you take, for example, in Ireland, Let's say an advertiser like uh, AIB is a local bank. Um, They'd have two different varieties of uh, the same TV campaign, and it runs on the main two channels. And this will come into uh, its own This this, this distinction between Ireland and the US. Uh, So about half the TV audience can be found on the major two channels. So we uh, basically detect that ad appearing in the broadcast, and then we do what's called a micro day part, which is a a five-minute burst of uh, online delivery of uh, online advertising during the ad airs in live broadcast, as well as shortly thereafter. Oh, I want
2: to come back to that because I like that expression. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're in somewhere like like Ireland and, and like Dublin, where you have sort of a contained ecosystem, you can definitely do something like the, like TV ad sync and what you're doing with this live live TV sync. It's 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 a little easier than in a more complex um, environment like the U.S., where you have a number of set-top providers, a number of broadcasters, and so many different devices. So how do you take something that kind of works in this? sort of smaller ecosystem and then scale it out?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I'll, 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 uh, I'll take take you on a journey that first goes to Turkey, uh, where we uh, won uh, an interesting uh, bit of business to sync uh, a McDonald's campaign. McDonald's does home delivery, believe it or not, in Turkey. Yeah. And, and McDonald's wanted to target specifically uh, the uh, prime time and the airings of soccer games uh, specifically calling it soccer because I know you don't call it football uh, and they happened on let's say Wednesdays Fridays and Saturday nights and uh, when the ad break uh, started in uh, uh, in the, the halftime we uh, triggered the, the campaign in a short burst to drive people to download the app order their food and have it delivered and the uplift we saw there was uh, on on the Friday evening Saturday evening prime times so was up to five times the performance of a a regular campaign. So that was really exciting. We said, look, let's uh, uh, let's go, go out and conquer the USA. And uh, as soon as we landed in the first couple of meetings, we realized that we, uh, uh, we obviously had a, um, a little difference um, in front of us. Um, basically, uh, all the big media buying agencies said, hey, that's an interesting product, but it's not going to work here because... Um, we have like a hundred TV channels uh, that gets roughly the same coverage as, as your three, so um, we were kind of uh, kind of set back by that a little bit, um, as you can imagine. Um, yes. The uh, uh, <laughs> we we we, <laughs> we thought this was going to be plain sailing, and uh, even though the sailing over was uh, was fine, uh, we kind of realized okay, we have to have to make uh, make a change to our model, and uh, that's what we did.
2: And that's kind of the life of a startup I would say especially in this business. I mean, we've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs and startup companies on the Tech Catcho. And um, and I think what what often happens is you're moving in one direction, you're really solid on it, but then you actually encounter, you know, the real world and then and then you make some adjustments and it's companies like yours that succeed because they bend bend and flex. Um, with what's happening. And certainly um, you're in such a hot space right now because all the broadcasters are trying to figure out how to converge digital behaviors with that power of of uh, broadcast reach. Um, now, I know there was some chatter, and um, when we, we may have to get to this after we take a break soon, but there was some chatter about um, when the, there were some U.S. tests, similar technologies, where people felt like they were being um, listened to because of that technology was listening in order to, mm-hmm. to send the ad. Is that, is that how yours works as well? And are you at all concerned that that will backfire on you? Uh,
3: it, it's probably worth a separate, uh, or not a separate discussion, but uh, a slightly more discussion. Um, so the main answer is no, because we, we don't actually do any listening okay great that's a, that's a that's a big distinction um there there is an interesting uh, other other anecdote to tell you about if you are uh, if you're interested uh, which is how we got to the u s
2: oh yeah let let's save that for when we come back because we're gonna take a break in three minutes, but one of the other things that I wanted to mention um that that uh, we'll talk about also soon is that part of being a startup is also getting exposure so um Peter's been fortunate enough to be part of Sprocket which is um NAB's startup program and also you're part of Unilever's program right the foundry which also yep. um identifies startups um so those those are um global initiatives or are they US based or how do those work
3: yeah, the Unilever Foundry is uh, is a global initiative, and it basically uh, to to nurture uh, the most promising Martech, tech startups, um, marketing technology and advertising technology, to identify them and to see how they fit into and where do they fit into uh, um, becoming a vendor to uh, to Unilever and its multitude of, of brands. So we were invited on uh, last year's program, which culminated in a uh, at a at an event called the Cannes Lions, which is um, every June. In Cannes, in South of France, which is an amazing uh, place, obviously, uh, <laughs> and for for the event, uh, uh, all the all the big companies uh, uh, bring out the the big uh, boats, and, uh, have uh, cocktail parties on yachts. So, as a startup to be part of that is kind of almost surreal. Yeah, uh, it's so also- elegant,
2: so elegant. And while you're you're selling your company, you're also like having cheese and champagne. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and and you're in front of this, the the global CMO of, uh, of of Unilever, so that that's kind of it was it's uh, almost surreal, but at the same time interesting that that a, a large company like that uh, is is opening up uh, its doors to startups uh, for startups to kind of work out. Okay, so so what do I need to do? in order to, to, to break through what is mostly a psychological wall of, of doing business with a with a huge multinational that's that's uh, that's uh, revenues is, is in the multiple double-digit billions.
2: Oh, uh, wow. Well, listen, we're going to come back in a minute. We have to take a little break, but when we come back on the Tech Cat Show, we're going to keep talking to Peter, the TV sync man, and find out more about his journey to the U.S., breaking through the clutter, getting this great technology uh, solution in front of brands and agencies in the U.S. marketplace, and then all the cool stuff that you're doing. So we'll be back on the Tech Show with Peter Onk, the TV sync man.
1: Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
4: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
2: Hi, everybody, and we're back on the TechCat Show, and this is Lori H. Schwartz, and I'm here with Mr. Peter Anku, I'm calling the TV Sync Man, and we're talking about TV AdSync, which is Peter's startup that is really digging into how to really create engaging advertising in an environment where you have someone with a mobile device, a tablet, a phone, while they're watching broadcast television, and so TV Sync is really pulling these two worlds together, so, Peter, let's talk a little bit about this concept of micro-day parting, which is something that you mentioned in the last segment. Because here I am, I'm watching a TV show on my TV in my living room, up comes an ad, and then now, because of your great technology, this that same ad will engage me on my second screen. Now, talk a little bit about, you know, how does this impact you know, and change as the course of my day happens, and how does an advertiser manage what I see and when I see it?
3: Okay, um, it's the uh, normally we found uh, that the TV uh, ad buying and digital ad buying uh, is is kind of separate and. Uh, it's not so coordinated within the media buying agencies. Uh, it may be at the corporate level in the uh, advertiser itself coordinated, but then it gets split into different silos. So essentially what we did is we said, hey, we can, we can generate real-time data on what ads appear when uh, on which channels and we can act on that and we don't need to talk to anyone uh, in on the TV side to to create that data for ourselves and, and act on it so when we uh, when we talk about micro day parting that is essentially sort of a, a tactic of digital media buying and impression delivery that is very focused and bursted uh, during and just after uh, a TV spot. And that that was a new thing. Um, like, like I said earlier, it's, a, it's it was something that worked very well and has still still works well in uh, in Europe, uh, but in the US, uh, proliferation of channels and and the spread of audience, it's it's much more challenging. So um, the uh, we we created a new product for uh, for the US, which we can talk about a little bit later on, uh, perhaps. Uh, I'd love to, to get a chance to plug it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> plug away, <laughs> uh, baby. Yeah. That's what
2: we're here uh, for. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but, but maybe I should tell you an anecdote about what happened uh, in the lead-up to us uh, finding out uh, that our product wasn't quite up to scratch for the US market. Um, so we had this uh, this interesting concept. we sold it to a bunch of media agencies in, in our home markets. We started branching out into other European uh, markets. Uh, uh, that all worked very well. Then there was a, a large um, um, web um, and startup event in Dublin called the Web Summit. Uh, we were at it, and through a friend were introduced Uh, to uh, a woman called Deirdre Bolton, who has a show on Fox Business. And we were asked who we'd like to do a little segment. And where we thought we were going to be asked about what the event was like, we found ourselves in a full-on interview, uh, which was broadcast uh, as part of a segment which had the Prime Minister of Ireland, uh, the head of the Foreign Direct Investment Agency, and I think it was Peter Thiel. So we were all of a sudden burst into uh, the spotlight. And as a result of it, uh, we were approached by uh, uh, who is now our head of uh, U.S. business, Chris Fredericks, who is based in L.A., and kind of got us onto the path of uh, wanting to break into the U.S. That's kind of, that's the anecdote I wanted to, uh, to share with you.
2: Yeah, and so it really is a journey for anyone coming from other markets because the U.S. market is so complex. And as someone who's worked passionately to evangelize interactive television and advanced advertising, and and broadcast, it's such a heartbreaker because it's so complex. And for years and years, we've all been trying to figure out how to to move through this space and create engagement between those multiple screens in the living room. But the the U.S. marketplace is really complex. I mean, you have a lot of different competitors, a lot of different set-top box technologies, a lot of different providers. So it's like a a hard plane to land. And you had mentioned micro-day parting. Tell us a little bit about that because I find that fascinating.
3: Okay, well, it's it's something that's not as easy to do with TV, I guess. Even though pro- programmatic TV buying is is, is starting to uh, to gain more prominence, in online advertising, uh, one would as as one would do on TV, uh, one would depart to reach specific consumers at specific times. So you can imagine. A lunchtime fast, uh, uh, fast food restaurant might advertise between 11 and 12, so it reaches its, its audience in the lead up to lunch hour, uh, just when everyone is trying to make their decision to um, uh, go out and, uh, and buy lunch. And uh, the logical thing is to let's say present a coupon on uh, on a on a news page as people are scrolling through their uh, their news uh, feed uh, at, uh, at their coffee break and present a discount coupon for uh, fast food restaurant number one. Um, so so that's that's normal day parting, and uh, one does that in in online advertising in very various ways. We came up with the term of micro day parting. Um, because we were doing that thing in kind of increments of five minutes. Um, We had to create um, our own technology platform to do that and integrate with a buying platform that would allow us to do to to turn on a campaign and turn off a campaign. It may go a little too deep if I start to describe it technically, but it was kind of an innovation. uh, And the innovation was, uh, was school was perceived well uh, as we started to to develop our business in the U.S. Uh, On the tech side, people were very interested in that uh, and it's, I kind of nice that you appreciate that there is something very neat about it. The challenge, though, is that um, it, would, it does actually really only work uh, if you sync with TV, if you uh, have large audiences and you know how to match those audiences. And that's really hard if, you, uh, if, if the general audience is spread across 50 to 100 channels as opposed to two or three. And that's when we kind of realized we had to adapt.
2: Right. And I, and I would suppose that behavior is kind of changing all the time. But what I love about micro day parting, at least from just a watching consumer behavior, is that it fits a little bit more into actually how we behave. Because we're not just morning, afternoon, and evening. And also, we're not just moms or, you know, working men, because I'm many different people in one day. I'm every woman, Peter. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm every woman. But I mean, we all wear multiple hats um, as consumers. And we also all have uh, different personalities and different sort of needs throughout the day as we wear our different hats for what we're doing in our lifestyle. And so... I I would say that I would respond to different advertising as I'm in my different modes. And so the more that you can match up with my mode, the more that that makes sense. Because sometimes I'm really interested in a business product, something that has more application for my work life. And then sometimes I'm in mom mode and I want something for my household or my kid. And then sometimes I'm just in like, you know, Lori, uh, you know, middle age broad mode. And I want like. Something that you know frees me from the tyranny of, of the other two <laughs> lifestyles. So I, I think this is a really, you know, a really interesting concept that that you're working on, and I love that you're flexing and bending as you discover more about this. Now, on your website, which is a great site to go to, TV Ad Sync. Um, do, is it .com? Um, TV oh. .com, um, You also list uh, an IAB study that in the UK about real living room behavior. And um, the Internet Advertising Bureau, of course, is a great standards agency that really works to to help land the plane on how to advertise on digital platforms. And the, the um, UK branch did a study that you guys really looked at. And could you talk a little bit about some of the things that came out of that study about what's happening in the living room?
3: Um, yeah, sure. Um, the, the, the main gist of it is, uh, is, I guess, that we figured out um, that through seeing our own behavior and seeing people around us, um, that just watching TV had, had shifted into watching TV and doing something else with a little device that uh, that you carry with you all the time. And that on its own meant that, okay, people are doing two things at the same time. Um, so it only makes sense to try and find a way to, to bridge the two devices or to, to bring them together effectively. Um, there are uh, stats uh, that in some countries as many as 90% of people are on their smartphone or tablet while they're watching TV. And we actually uh, did some tests and realized that the people are actually uh, shifting attention from the first screen to the second screen in accordance to their interest in uh, the programming or the non-interest in the programming and the TV ads so, and there are some TV ads that engage people really uh, and, and basically shift the attention during an outbreak from the second screen back to the first screen and when that happens and you're then able to re-engage the user on the second screen is when you uh, when the advertiser wins because um, in the hand of the consumer is a device that is like a, a, a direct response channel. It's a it's a it's a it's a way to engage with the with the uh, with the brand, and in in a meaningful way. And the, the best example uh, we find is that uh, uh, automotive ads. They are often uh, awesome to watch. They're, they're beautifully shot and they look great. Um, one would not necessarily engage with the the TV creative, but if the second screen has a the option to uh, uh, to to engage with the ad and sign up for a test drive or receive information on that particular car, that just makes sense. And it had been done in uh, uh, in the TV space by the interactive TV. Uh, in, a, in an interactive TV world, and it kind of worked that never reached critical mass. And I think the critical mass is reached because everyone has a phone in their hands when they're watching TV. When I say everyone, I mean up to Most 90% people. Of the, yeah. of the viewing. Problem. Yeah, exactly. So right. so it kind of the, the the logical back channel was there. Uh, we just figured out a way to, to uh, piggyback it.
2: Well, we're going to um, take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about some other trends that you're seeing in the space as an as entrepreneur and someone that's sort of, you know, working in the space and now globally. I'm sure you see other trends bubbling up and other things that maybe in the back of your head, you're thinking, okay, that's the next startup I'm going to start. So we're going to come back in a moment with Peter Onk, the TV sync man, who's calling us from Dublin tonight, well, his tonight, are today, to, to share with us the latest that's happening in this complex world of bridging broadcast and broadband in the TV advertising space. More in a moment with the Tech Cat Show.
1: Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
4: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Laurie at techcat.tv. That's Lori at techcat.tv.
2: Everybody, welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And we're here with Peter Onk, the TV Sync Man, and Peter has been working in the TV business for a while with his great startup and sitting on top of a lot of interesting information about how broadcast and broadband are coming together. So, Peter, I know you have a lot of interesting partnerships and clients that are playing around with what you're doing. What kind of partnerships and trends right now are you seeing that are really important for you in this space?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So in the U.S., uh, there is an interesting... Uh, development in that the TV brands are starting to look at uh, ways to monetize data on uh, viewing, viewing patterns, uh, and exposure. And uh, one of those companies um, is a data partner for us. So we use data on uh, ad exposure. So when households are exposed to particular TV ads, uh, we use that to uh, reach that those consumers uh, on their secondary uh, screen. And that's kind of what we were doing in Europe, but in a much more determined way. In Europe, we were... Uh, we're hoping to, 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 to catch the large bulk of audiences. And that works in, 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 uh, particularly for large um, tentpole events, uh, like like the Olympics coming up. Um, but in the US, it's really hard because, uh, again, the audiences are spread. But through this partnership, we uh, basically get notified when a household is exposed to a particular ad creative from, let's say, a car brand. And we then, with uh, that information in hand, can deliver a campaign for that car brand or for a different car brand. And that basically uh, uses the data of that household has just seen this particular TV creative, and is therefore possibly primed for a buying decision uh, in the automotive space.
2: So it's really a relevant targeting. It's it's really tar- targeting that you know this person is is interested because of the of the other data. What's the name of the company again that you're partnering with?
3: Uh, I'm not really at liberty to talk oh, okay. about uh, which <laughs> company, company it is.
2: Okay, no, that's fine. So, so what's great about uh, automotive, too, is that um, they really know the cost of acquisition for their consumer, and they're also able to create some really emotional content. So one of the things that I was thinking about in our last session was – do, do brands have to, and, and certainly the ad agencies that you're working with, do they have to create unique content for that second screen experience? Or are they leveraging content that they've already made anyway for other digital platform advertising? Or are you sort of challenging them to create new formats?
3: Um, we we don't do the latter uh, yet, at least not enough. We'd love to do that more, but it's a, it, that's a kind of a it's a hard thing to do, I guess. Uh, it, it it makes sense, so and it ties in with other stuff like uh, being able to 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 use location as a as another factor into what helps someone target so when i was just giving you the example of, of signing up for a test drive it makes even more sense to delay that test drive message uh until a few days later when somebody's actually near the lot so it's it's it, there, there are other technologies that, that you combine to even increase that targeting even further um and, and that's really really interesting
2: Yeah, I think, you know, always back in the day when I had my role at the um, Interpublic Emerging Media Lab and I was always going to agencies with new opportunities like this to test out creative, the challenge was always who is going to make the creative and where in the ecosystem will the talent um, arise and where will the budget come from to make that creative when they're so used to just pounding out 30 second spots and we all know to your larger point, that great creative will will draw that audience member's attention to the ad and they'll engage. And so there almost needs to be this change in perception of what to do with that second screen.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting um, uh, point you make about uh, the, the creative. Like I'm saying, that we don't get enough input, and I wasn't lamenting the fact, uh, I don't want to um, uh, complain about it, but it's something that. Actually, is really interesting. And so we found in recent times that uh, some of the creative uh, arms of some of the ad agencies we work with started uh, talking to us about what they could do with uh, a sequence of messaging from a big screen uh, on a Saturday night to the second screen over a series of days. And, and the, one of the most logical places to start is actually um, with uh, TV show promos. So let's say on Saturday night, there's a TV show promo for something that happens the following Saturday uh, to then retarget the consumers in that household that saw the TV promo with a reminder about the show coming up next Saturday. uh, And to do that over a number of days, let's say with a a countdown starting next Saturday in five days, three, two, one, um, really engages the user and makes it useful, makes the online advertising useful to the user. If they're not interested, they can they can always click it away. So that that's kind of that use case starts to tie into how the creative side uh, should try and engage more um, on on creating experiences that help the consumer journey across from one screen across to the other one um, uh, develop better. And so we hopefully are part of that conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would think you're sitting on a lot of just experience now, and and I think the creatives and the creative agencies want to understand how to do this and this by the way is the ultimate question that is plaguing the media industry right now which is how do you do long form storytelling in a programmatic environment where programmatic is more about you know targeting and you know getting getting that ad for that moment and just getting the numbers up you know it's like a numbers mm-hmm. accounting game whereas long form storytelling tends to be you know, the, the creative agency side. And so you have for a long time in the last two years, you're having this war between programmatic and sort of long form storytelling. And what you're saying in your world is that you can have both. And in fact, you need both. You need that targeting and you need that long form storytelling to really work together.
3: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I I would almost say that, that when the creative engages the tools, that are happening on the programmatic side, then you get real disruption internally, and so then the 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 creative actually wins, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm uh, what's it called evangelizing. Is what I'm saying is that, that 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 makes things really interesting, and you get you the, the creative side uses the tools of the of the of the media buying side, and that 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 is when interesting stuff starts to happen. Um, to the last point about uh, retargeting a TV spot promo or TV promo um we are also able to then when identify who has seen the promo retarget the device in that household and actually work out who has tuned in so has the retargeting on the secondary device uh, worked have people tuned in and how much more have people tuned in so it's, it's actually almost like creating a direct response uh, channel uh, for the uh, for the TV promo so which we, we find very interesting we're, we're starting to get interest from from uh, Uh, from some clients in that space.
2: Yeah, I think that world, I think that sort of, you know, intersection of those two worlds is, is really interesting. And I, I know there's been a lot of conversations in the industry about how can we get our creatives up to speed on all of this. And certainly, you know, back in my day, there was almost a, you know, such a sharp division between media and creative agencies, and they didn't want each other in each other's space. And the, the truth is that when you put peanut butter with chocolate, you get a Reese's peanut butter cup, which is so much better. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, um, I don't i don't think we have that here uh, what we do make is is uh, irish coffee
2: okay. which is a
3: combination of whiskey cream and coffee
2: yeah and that, uh, which that on is, their own
3: are good but if yeah, you combine them
2: much better yeah you you totally know where i'm coming and i'm telling you if you take an irish coffee and a reese's peanut butter cup and you have them together then that's even better <laughs> that's
3: <laughs> coffee like the and ultimate, chocolate the ultimate or like i was gonna well, say the ultimate the ultimate Saturday morning breakfast, but that's not quite the time for it.
2: <laughs> Maybe it is in Dublin, though. Well, and I was going to say, so you're living quite the startup life because you're breaking into the U.S. market. Are you also looking at China as well? Uh,
3: interestingly, yes, um, but I, we don't think it's as straightforward as uh, looking at China. Um, it's, it's obviously a huge market, and there are huge opportunities. We've had some interesting conversations with uh, with ad agencies uh, in Shanghai, and um, it's definitely something we want to go to, but it's that's uh, actually kind of too early to to say. Uh, I'd like to to uh, to do the, the startup hustle and say that we're in in conversation with, uh, but it's literally only uh, conversation level stage at this.
2: Point. Yeah, I mean, having spent some time in Shanghai with my relationship with CES and CES Asia, and just understanding that that environment is very different just because of the role of the Chinese government and how they work with broadcasters and. Everything in China is more complex because of that, but also it's more mm-hmm. controlled, which means you can get kind of more done in a way than in the U.S. market, which has so many competitors. But it's really interesting. So, in, in the startup life, like, are you always? Do you always have a bag packed, and are you just ready to get on a plane? I mean, is that is that what it's like to be sort of a global startup right now?
3: Uh, yeah, it is a little bit. Um, from Dublin, though, you can get to uh, you can get to New York in in five hours or sort of six hours. It's not so bad. Uh, flying to San Francisco direct, uh, flying to LA direct—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's all quite doable. Um, we opened an office in New York, and we're going to, to hire two people for there. Uh, hiring them uh, from, from here is really difficult. Uh, so we kind of, there's, a, there's a lot of legwork in, in, in doing those things, and they're not even necessarily directly developing the business itself. So that, 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 those are challenges. Um, I, I was going to sidestep to, we, we also do some interesting stuff in, in Europe. So we truly are a global company. And our, uh, uh, our work is with a large cable provider. And to your point about the complications of a market can soft, sometimes mean there's an opportunity uh, with this large cable company in Europe, the, the complexity of um, uh, having um, uh, operations in multiple countries, having to monitor channels in multiple countries, makes for a hugely complex uh, uh, system. And therefore, the innovation in that space Hadn't happened and wouldn't happen internally yet until we started knocking on the door and starting to try and create an opportunity for ourselves. Oh. So I mean that took a year and a half, but uh, that that is now going beyond that. Uh, let's say conversation stage that I was referring to in context of China. We were, were in business with the largest cable company in Europe. So that, that that's all very exciting, and that's all part of um, startup life, where you go from. Um, from zero to to uh, the mountain top in uh, sometimes five minutes.
2: Well, that's a that's a nice European reference too. <laughs> <laughs> the mountaintop. alright well we're going to be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show with the fabulous Peter Ankh who's my TV sync man and we're going to talk a little bit about you know how Peter how do you keep up with what's going on in all of these changes and what shows are you going to what are you reading so when we come back we're going to learn a little bit more about how, how Peter who's a very connected person in the sort of startup TV uh, tech space um, keeps up with this crazy evolving world more in a moment on the Tech Cat Show
1: Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
4: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
2: everybody and welcome back to the tech cat show and we were just talking with peter the tv sync man about what it's like to to be participating in the startup life as a, a tv technology that's spanning the globe really and working in europe and in the u.s and with some eyes on asia so peter how do you keep up with all of this because while you're so focused as an entrepreneur on launching your own company and getting it everywhere, how do you learn about what everyone else is doing? What, what do you read and where, where do you go to conferences? Like, what, what's your way to, to keep connected?
3: Uh, it's a combination of things, I guess. Uh, for, for a TV focused business, uh, I surprisingly um, use TV very little, actually, uh, watch it not very much. Um, I instead uh, read a lot and I am delighted that our head of Adops, who's from Brazil uh, Douglas uh, came in this morning with a book called Sapiens which uh, is one of my favorite books by Juval Noah Harari and most of us in the office have read that so uh, that, that would be where I learn my stuff it, it's, nothing it's, to do it's with called,
1: The
2: book is called Sapien. Sapien?
3: Sapiens sort of the, the uh, the origin of, uh, of of Homo sapiens. Uh, oh my gosh, that's so interesting! Modern civilization, sort of a brief history of humankind, is the subtitle, I think. Um, but uh, that that would be by one of the the best things in terms of uh, um, where do I learn stuff uh, in in recent years would be that book, and and then from there, uh, Twitter is because it's always on and it's always. Um, uh, a, a feed of of interesting information and uh, that you curate yourself so I, I would follow a lot of people some some of whom are are on our advisory board uh Tim Hanlon who you know who is uh, an amazing guy who shares uh, lots of his insights on uh, on linkedin but also uh, on twitter uh that would be a way for me to to keep up with with stuff um um we go to uh c s we go to uh, de mexico we go to attech we go to n a b of course uh as part of this rocket program.
2: So you're you're um, c- covering all the uh, all the the right places Th- those are all the events that most of our speakers mention um, CSD Mexico can. Um, and then there's sort of the specialty shows that are just focused on TV like TV of tomorrow, which we've mentioned many times on this show. Um, yeah, of and, course.
3: TVRT, sorry, I, I forgot to say that, but uh, my co-founder Ronan went to TVOT, uh, as did Chris. I think uh, they were both on panels, so I just it was just me. I wasn't there personally.
2: And then uh, in terms of startup competitions or startup associations like Sprocket and like Unilever's Foundry, are you guys constantly applying to those? Are you still considered a startup at this point?
3: Uh, yeah, we're we're definitely a startup. We're definitely we're out, we're out the gates. Uh, we're running very fast. Uh, but we I think we we should one should consider oneself a startup for as long as possible. Uh, even though you may have grown to uh, a larger size, you, the the uh, let's say the agility of a startup makes one able to uh, to do more interesting stuff quicker and, and build businesses quicker and and make f- mistakes quicker. And so uh, that that is more a state of mind than a, an actual physical state, I guess. Uh, and to your question about NAB and Spocket, uh, that's been amazing for us. Uh, as a really great exposure. And how we got into that was through our mutual friend, Tim Hanlon, who recommended uh, us to it.
2: To 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 uh to to submit to belong to those things, and so are you always on the lookout for other sort of startup exposures or startup conferences that you can get in front of more people? Uh,
3: absolutely, absolutely. So it, it we'll be doing the same at the Mexico. Uh, kind of talking about the future of TV data in 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 a world where the uh the data coming out of TVs is is now starting to starting to to, to to become available to companies like ourselves and and to create new experiences onto second screens uh, in online advertising the, the the other way in using online behavior and what people do and engage with on their smartphone how that can inform uh, TV advertising is Kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, direction as well. So we we see that as a, a fluid thing, which will flow the other direction at some point. So we'll be talking about that in Mexico.
2: Um, awesome, and, and it's it's such a funny travely life. What about um, are there any um, blogs or um, magazines or anything like that that you that you love to read?
3: Um, hard to say. That that's more of a. I, I found myself using Twitter to, to, to go through things and then saving an enormous amount of, uh, of, uh, of information. And um, on downtime, I actually read lots. Uh, and it's, a, it's a, such a wide swathe of, 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 of sources. I, I, I couldn't pinpoint one, just one. That's why I'm kind of sticking to Twitter, because I've curated a, a, a very fine uh, list, uh, a, a list of, 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 of things that I'm interested in.
2: And and l- lastly, just I'd uh, love to hear from you. Also, are there other companies that you're watching and that you're really inspired by? And they could be in your space or not. But do you have any
3: favorite? Uh, well, there is one, and uh, it's called a company called Intercom. They were started here in Dublin, then went off to uh, to San Francisco, and they I think they're in the uh, enterprise communication space. So they create sort of CRM and messaging tools for enterprise businesses. And the, the founder Owen McCabe is a lovely guy and he's built a billion dollar business from Dublin. And that's amazing. That's, that's a company that, that I, that almost all of us in startup world in, in Ireland anyway, uh, are are looking up to going, that's, that's so great because that's what we want. That's
2: what what you want to have happen to you. So our, is the startup community in Dublin small enough that you all know each other and you're kind of all rooting for each other?
3: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, uh, the, the startup community in Dublin is is obviously benefits from the fact that Facebook and Google and Microsoft and Dell and Intel all have big offices here. Um, uh, we even now have a, uh, a commissioner for startups in the city, uh, a woman uh, who lived in New York for years, Neve Bushnell, and she's like an advocate for startup businesses in the city, which has been great. I mean, she's, she's been uh, uh, fighting for our cause uh, at, at city level, but also at, at national level. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a great environment. It's a great environment to, uh, to start a business. It, it kind of comes back to what I was saying at the beginning. It, we, were, we were able to, to develop a small startup with a, a, a very small idea we were able to break into Omnicom at at, at the level uh, of of a national um, uh, national media buyer. That's much harder to do in the U.S. So we were able to kind of go from zero to up the ladder very quickly, and that's Ooh, another
2: another metaphor: up the mountain and up the ladder. <laughs> well, as we're wrapping up the the TechCast show, um, Peter, where can we learn more about TV AdSync? Uh,
3: well, the best place to go would be uh, TVAdSync.com. dot com. Um, you're always welcome to follow us on Twitter, where we also uh, go by TV AdSync. Uh, and on LinkedIn, uh, I'm easy to find, Peter Onk, P-I-E-T-R-O-N-K. Uh, I, I connect with anyone who uh, uh, has something interesting to say or, uh, or offer.
2: That's fantastic. So ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking to the fabulous Peter Ankh, who is the co-founder of TV AdSync, which is a TV technology that's really helping bridge the gap between broadcast and broadband advertising and lots of um, new solutions coming out from them within that umbrella and hitting the uh, U.S. marketplace really hard. So Peter, thank you so much for joining us on the Tech Cat Show. And you can find out more about TV AdSync on TVAdSync.com. And it sounds to me like, like Peter has a really groovy Twitter feed. So I would definitely follow him on Twitter. <laughs> and thank you so much, Peter. And tell me one more time, where's the next place that you're going to be speaking or hanging out at?
3: Uh, uh let's see, the, the Mexico is the nearest. Uh, we'll be at IBC uh, in, in Amsterdam. We won't be speaking, but there's a, a couple of private events that we're going to be attending. but we're definitely being speaking at the Mexico uh, and I, I will make sure I publish on the on the blog as soon as uh, we know where it is going to be exactly.
2: Well, thank you so much, Peter. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week with another fantastic interview. This is Lori H. Schwartz, your tech cat, talking to the fabulous Peter Onk, the TV sync man. We'll see you next week or actually hear you next week.